This episode of the What The Fintech podcast is sponsored by Xenerate. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of What The Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor at Fintech Futures, and for this episode, we're joined by Casey Denby, VP of Sales at US tech firm Xenerate. Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Excited to be here today and uh, excited to share a little bit about AI, how we're leveraging it in the space. And hopefully that's something that is of interest to the listeners. Excellent, for sure. And I'm sure our listeners are definitely interested in the, the AI uh, boom that's going on at the moment. So it's great to have you on the show. Just to get started, would you like to quickly let us know then a bit more about yourself then and what you're up to at Xenerate? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take you back a little bit. My career actually didn't start in sales. I'm not your traditional sales guy. So I spent 15 years in operational in training leadership and did that across multiple organizations. So companies that the audience would likely recognize, Comcast, very large telecommunications company, produces a lot of movies, has theme parks, provides your television service. I worked at Dish Network and also Western Union, which operates in the UK as well as all over the planet, really. And I led operations and training teams in those particular organizations. And one of my roles, I led global training for Western Union, which is all customer care centers across the globe. So we had a pretty big footprint. We had over 14 countries as far as call centers in those countries, 35 languages supported and about 5,000 agents at peak. Average run rate was around 3,200. So pretty significantly sized operation. And my role was design delivery of training, but I also led the quality assurance organization and I led the knowledge management organization as well as basically everything shared services with the exclusion of workforce management. And in that role, I actually became a customer of Xenerate. So I was customer number four of the company that now I represent. And fast forward a few years, I joined the organization and took on the role of VP of sales. So that's how I got here. Excellent. That's a really interesting pathway into it as well, going from customer into company as well. So thanks for that, Casey. On the show this week, we'll be taking a deeper dive into an area of the wonderful world of AI that we haven't touched on yet, and that is AI simulation training for call agents. We'll discuss the main use cases for AI simulation training, the types of simulations banks and other financial institutions can utilize, and how this type of training can specifically benefit these firms, as well as the work that Xenerate has been doing in the field. That's all to come a bit later, but as always, to get us started is our news in number segment. This is where our guest has gone out and found a new story featuring an interesting number to discuss. So Casey, what have you brought along for us today? Yeah, great question, Paul. So I gravitated to the story Fintech Futures Jobs, and it's titled Three Ways That AI Is Changing fin Fintech Jobs. I think most people have the assumption that AI is just replacing human beings left and right. Just taking our jobs... I mean, we're all going to be jobless. We're all going to be run by robots and AI technology around the planet. In some instances, there is some truth to that in the sense that we're replacing really low-hanging fruit in that sense. But ultimately, what's happening is AI is augmenting human jobs. And it's just shifting the landscape of where people's skill sets reside because that is where the world is moving. Think industrial revolution. I mean, it didn't eliminate all jobs. It just shifted the landscape. That's what's happening today. And in fact, this article says that there is an expected increase of 133 million new jobs globally because of AI over the next few years. And that's what caught my attention. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, like you say, there's been a tendency by some to look at it from a almost dystopian perspective of how many jobs might AI replace. But actually, the data seems to be suggesting there's actually going to be a huge amount of jobs being created from this, which is always a positive. I mean, from your vantage point, with the boom in popularity of AI over this this last year, how much of an impact has this had on, on Zenerate and the work that you guys are doing over there? But in particular, looking at your banks and financial services firms as well, do you see them clambering for, for new use cases at the moment for AI? That's a really great question, Paul. So our CEO and co-founder, his name's Brian Toot, he actually came from the banking space, banking, debt buying, collections. He had a career in that space, worked for very large companies, MBA, one of those, and then the acquisition from Bank of America. And he led all contact centers at Bank of America and at MBA, was very familiar with the landscape. And because of that experience, he actually came up with the idea of simulated training through AI. Now, AI at the time, six years ago, was a pretty new concept. There wasn't a whole lot going on out there. But what happened was as soon as one bank caught hold of the vision, which Bank of America was one of the first, and they are still a customer today, many others started jumping in the party, right? It's like, well, what are you guys doing over there? Banking has this fear of missing out, the whole FOMO concept of, well, they're doing it. We got to do it too. That works out to our benefit, but also to the benefit of those that our solution or technology helps. And we'll get into that, but it's simulated training for frontline associates. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of billions, potentially billions of people that work in these types of roles where they have human to human conversations on the daily. And our tech is helping them. And if it helps their people perform better, Yes, there's definitely interest in waves within the banking space. And I can tell you this, AI itself, just the terminology has caught on. It's very sexy, you could say, quote unquote. People are like, we got to get into AI, like CEOs all over the place. If we're not doing something with AI, we're left behind. That has been pretense for a couple of years now. But over the past six months, I would say it is hyper accelerated, where Almost every organization is realizing, and I think that's partially because of the introduction of ChatGPT and how even my 13-year-old and my 11-year-old know how to use it and go online, they can type stuff in, hey, tell me what this means or rewrite this paragraph for me, whatever that may be. And they're getting a glimpse into the power of AI technology and understanding how it can actually benefit you know, human beings around the globe. So companies are really finding out how to leverage this within their businesses and they're testing out different technologies today and that includes us excellent excellent before we move into the specifics then i mean when you look at the kind of like greater ai landscape and where things might be heading what are some of the big ai use cases that you're most excited about right now great question in general ai needs to be leveraged in my opinion and this is i think where things are going to help human beings have a better life, perform better in their jobs, be happier, the list goes on. So go back to what we were just talking about. AI is not here to replace the human being per se. It's here to help us. We need to be able to leverage the technology to help us be better, more efficient, more effective, more productive. It's not necessarily going to always make life easier, but if you even go back 10 years, before we had these amazing smartphones that can do what they do today, 
and also all of the applications within those smartphones that allow us to be more productive and more effective. Instead of calling my financial institution now, Paul, I just go on my app, it identifies my face in seconds, and I can look at my account balance, I can look at my transaction history, I can transact right there on my telephone. That was not possible 10 years ago. And that is where technology needs to continue to make the human experience better. And so from our perspective, we want AI and we're seeing this demand in AI helping people become better. There was this jump early on. You probably heard of chatbots. I'm sure the audience has heard of chatbots. You've all been caught in an IVR at some point in time. And also these chatbots that are leveraging AI to solve customer problems were not very effective at first. In fact, they're still not very effective today. I'm not a huge fan of chatbots. When I call in to my bank, it's because I couldn't self-serve. So don't force me to try and self-serve now through another bot. When I already know I'm tech proficient, I'm tech savvy, I couldn't do something and I need a human being to help me. So that's where AI is coming. And that's what we've done at Zenerate is leveraged AI to better the human being in their role and also better the human experience. If you think about just kind of in general where we're going, human beings want to talk to human beings when they make a phone call. That's just the reality. When they pick up the phone, and by the way, not a lot of people like to talk on the phone these days, but when they pick up the phone, there's a study that we actually co-sponsored. We didn't run the study totally independent from execs in the know. 67%, almost 70% of customers prefer to speak to a live agent over everything else. They want to talk to a human being. And they're also saying that 80% of all resolution is happening with a live human being. So even if they came in and tried to go through this chatbot, eight out of 10 times, they're finishing the conversation, actually resolving their issue over the phone. So that tells me that we need to make the human being better and more proficient and able to handle those customer engagements, issues, interactions as they come in. Sounds great. So, I mean, on that point, then, obviously, Zenerate specializing in that AI simulation training. Can you tell us a little bit more about that then and how that works specifically? Absolutely. Okay. Everybody has been on an airplane for the most part. I would assume most of your listeners have been on an airplane or had to call an airline at one point in time. Imagine you're answering calls now for a major financial institution. So, let's say a major bank or an airline. Typically, when they get hired, there's information overload, and the brain can only handle so much. We can only retain so much information. The learning pyramid that's been proven over time says that 5% of all lecture information is retained. PowerPoints, lectures, LMS videos, and things like that, 5 to 10% at maximum. That's not enough to be effective when they hit the production floor. So what was missing was practice, doing the job before they did the job. Unfortunately, they would practice on actual customers and they weren't anywhere near production floor or performance ready. Think of going into a game. Let's say you're going to play football. If you're going in and you're the striker and you have no idea how to be a striker or you're not prepared or you haven't trained throughout the off season, 
it's going to be catastrophic. You're going to hurt your team. You're not going to be very effective. Everybody, even in America, we jumped on the Ted Lasso train. I think everybody is excited about football and the Premier League and things like that. But the reality is you have to train and you have to practice or you're not going to be productive. I don't care who you are. I mean, there's a few, maybe Messi, you know, but Messi has put in a lot of time, right? He doesn't get yeah. that good by just watching and sitting on the sidelines. He gets that good by training time and time again, repetition. So what we've done is created a simulated learning experience. Think of it as a flight simulator. You go in and you practice before you ever get in the cockpit of an actual plane. That's actually not even allowed. You have to put in a certain number of hours required by the FAA in order to be a captain. And then at that, you know, you don't just get to the captain seat. You have to be a co-pilot, co-captain. So there's this progression, but you have to get the hours in. And it's the same concept, but we've created that so you can actually simulate that entire learning experience without risk of your systems, data, talking to customers and damaging the customer experience. And they get the practice of the role so they can practice the conversation, like talking right now, like you and I are having a conversation. We can simulate this conversation. We also have in the moment coaching. So they learn their company's best and required practices and soft skills and things like that so that they can successfully navigate those conversations with customers when they engage with them. And finally, also the software or system that you're navigating. We simulate that all simultaneous and you go in and you get performance scorecards. And we can get into that in a bit, but in essence, we've simulated the job itself so that they can practice before they actually get out on the pitch, let's say, and play in the game. Excellent. So what would you say then are some of the kind of core use cases and how business has been looking to, to use this tech home? There's three core use cases. There's more than this, but the three core use cases, we really started in the new hire space, Paul. Makes sense. Brand new to your job, tons of information to learn. We understand the whole learning by practice methodology or concept. It's proven. So that was number one. Number two was not nobody's perfect when they're finished with training. You continue to develop and grow over time. And I think it's silly to assume that people don't need additional training and additional learning as they continue to progress. In fact, the inverse is true. They need consistent development. They need consistent skills training. So our simulator technology can be leveraged for both of those use cases. And then finally, pre-hire. So before you bring somebody in the door and you hire them, it's very expensive to hire someone, especially in a contact center. The average cost of replacement is significant. It's over $20,000 and it's $9,000 to $14,000 just to get them in train them. And then if you have to go back and do it again, because they left, yikes. So getting the right people in the door is also another use case. You can actually put them in a simulator, see if they have just a couple of the basic skills, but it also level sets the job. So they understand what I'm getting into. That's part of the issue as well. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that people would not be patient or kind to me on the telephone all the time. And so it's a good level set from the candidate standpoint as well. And they can self-select out and so those are the three primary use cases that we see. There are more, such as manager feedback delivery to their employees and things like that. But those are the three primary, Paul. Pre-hire, new hire, tenured employees. Excellent. That sounds good. And I mean, looking at um, like banking and finance specifically, I mean, what type of simulations could these companies then be using? And how is that helping them specifically, I guess, with, with their jobs? Yeah, awesome question. So let's start high level. There's a lot of use cases. In fact, some of our customers use us across every single use case at their bank, at their financial institution. But let's start with a few. The most obvious is the call center. 
customer service, people are calling in, they have issues, I can't log in, I, you know, I need to reset my password. What's this issue that I see? It's not correct, et cetera. But also collections, fraud and disputes, credit card, sales, wealth management, retail banking centers. In fact, the people that, are, that welcome you when you go into a branch location, transaction inquiries, I can't log in, I can't pay my bill, the funds transfer issue, rewards. So that's kind of getting into the more specific simulations themselves. But there's a lot of different use cases across any organization, but banks tend to have a lot more use cases than your standard company. And we are able to help in every single one of them. In fact, at Bank of America, we are leveraging, they're leveraging their AI technology with over 100,000 associates. That's a pretty big number. And it spans across 11 different use cases. A lot of the ones that I just kind of stepped through. Excellent, excellent. And I mean, banking agents deal with more complex issues than most call center agents. How does your AI simulation training then really help to get to the core of some of those issues and train them in some of those issues to help them get through those? Yeah. So while it's simulating the experience, our AI coach actually simulates the customer. So it feels like they're talking to a real human being. It's a real human voice. The feedback from our agents is that, wow, this like feels real. It feels like I'm on an actual phone call and I'm actually going through the scenario that I need to. And so Xenerate scores learners based on actual call skill proficiency. Think soft skills, effective quality standards, and best in required practices of your organization. Every company is a little bit different. Every company has their own coaching methodology, their own quality standards, their own expectations for performance. But in general, most are fairly consistent. We need to deliver a great experience and we need to do it quickly. Resolving a customer issue is a big deal. Showcasing empathy is a big deal. Mirroring conversation through active listening, that's a big deal. Compliance requirements, disclosures, verbatims, big deal. So thinking of those kind of more umbrella type topics, and then we are able to evaluate all of those skills. And before they ever talk to a live customer, you know if they're proficient or they're not proficient. And you can give them the, yes, you can move forward and talk to our customers or, or no, you can't, you're not ready yet. Maybe they won't be ever. And you can see that inside the platform because each learner gets a comprehensive individual learner scorecard. And we also have a lot of insights reporting that banks, financial institutions of any size, any scope can go in and immediately assess how people are doing from a performance standpoint. And it's not just, did you read something or did you say a certain word? There's, there are other companies in the space that are focused on keywords and scripted responses, like reading a response back. That's not true learning. True learning is actually using your own words without scripting and still getting to the intent of the skill such as, did I empathize with Paul? Did I show you know any sort of interest and care in the customer that I was talking to? And was I comprehensive? Was I proficient? Did I understand the bank way in order to get the objective of that particular conversation? So all of that can be done. You can evaluate different training cohorts. Like I said, individuals, you can look at any time frame, any roll up, any geo, you can look by country, you can look by globe, call center, you name it. We can evaluate those skills and essentially give your trainers and your managers and your call center operations leaders comfort and confidence that their people are hitting the expected performance standards before they put them in front of their customer base. 
Excellent. That sounds great. And one of the big talking points with AI is often the accuracy. How have you gone about developing your offering to, to ensure accuracy is there? Yeah, that's a great question. When you think about accuracy of a bot, that's part of the frustration when I'm calling in. That's why people are like so frustrated because it's not helping me. It doesn't understand me. It's not listening. Zenery uses the most advanced NLU and NLP. So that means natural language understanding and natural language processing technology in existence today. And those models are incredibly precise. We have top tier AI engineers who understand this space and understand the model and are able to craft that, that model within the Zenerate kind of environment that our users get to leverage. And so accent comprehension is incredibly high and incredibly precise. Listening to your words, the speech to text, not only is it fast, but it's accurate. And so it'll transcribe what you're saying immediately on the screen in front of you. And then within seconds, I mean like a second and a half, it puts it all in proper grammar and punctuation and it maintains a transcript that can be reviewed by a supervisor or even by the individual learner at any point in time after the practice is completed. And so our AI is able to do that. It also listens for and coaches to the bank best and required practices. So if I expect you to do this behavior at this point in an interaction or any point in the interaction, our AI is able to understand, did they hit the intent? Did they do that? Yes or no. And it's essentially, did they pass or fail each particular step? And we can pinpoint, hey, you know, Paul's really struggling on empathy. Here's where he struggled in the conversation. You can go back and listen to that, but you also have a comprehensive scorecard, as I mentioned before. So you don't even have to listen per se, but you can, if you want to, you can drill down. And this is where it's providing a ton of value because the individual gets in the moment feedback and think about it as a personalized, unbiased AI coach, like human role play partner. That's what they're getting is a consistent, scalable experience across all learners. So there's no bias, no human role play bias, anything like that. And if you imagine peer-to-peer -peer learning, we've all done it. We've all done role play with peers. Nobody knows what they're doing, really. We're in learning and we're trying to figure it out. So it's not the most effective use of our time. And then if you do group role play, you got one person up there doing a training and 20 people sitting there watching when they could all be practicing with their AI coach. And so what we see is we've actually seen from financial institutions, from healthcare companies, you name the industry, but I'll speak specific to fintech here in the banking space. 44 hours of human role play was consolidated down to two and a half, 1700% efficiency gain in training because they leveraged our AI coach technology. Everybody was able to practice at the same time, get the same amount of reps, very consistent scorecard. Trainers absolutely love it. Learners love it more than anyone because it's helping them become proficient and do better at their role. And that's what I was alluding to earlier, which is our AI is helping human beings become better at their job. Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, there's a few different companies in the space at the moment, but what is it that makes Zenerate unique? Would you say, I mean, I think some of those, some of the things like the reporting insights that you mentioned earlier seem like real kind of pluses there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say in general, there's a couple of different things. And the first one is that our Zenerate replicates human role play as close to the human experience as possible. So learners practice in their own words without scripting. That's difference number one. Other organizations out there, as I mentioned, they're scripted or keyword based. So 
they program in, you have to say this word or that word or you get it wrong. But if you say this word, it's right. No matter what else you say, that's not really getting to the point that's you could game the system in two seconds. Hey, I learned that I just have to say, I'm sorry, check the box, move forward. Doesn't matter what else I say. Or I just need to read this and then it's accurate. That's not actual replication of human role play. That's just a little improvement from where we were at before with antiquated training. So that's difference number one. Difference number two is the in the moment robust coaching and performance scorecard. So you get in the moment coaching. I'm going to use Mario Brothers as the example. So Paul, I would assume you're familiar with Nintendo and Super Mario Brothers at some point, whether it was the original or the latest and greatest on Nintendo Switch. What I can tell you is it's very similar to a level in Mario Brothers where you start and you have to conquer certain objectives and steps in the level to get to the flag and successfully go to the next level, advance to the next level. It's the same concept, but if you make a mistake, it doesn't just magically send you to the end and say, congratulations, you finished. You actually get in the moment coaching that says, hey, Paul, that's not a best practice. Try again. Or whatever that feedback is that the bank wants to implement, 100% customizable, by the way. So it can say whatever you want it to say. And it can be as detailed as you want it to be. So you can give them the answer or you can lead them to the answer without giving it to them per se. That's a huge difference because they get that in the moment coaching, in the moment feedback. I think of it as learning how to play golf. You understand that if you were to be told two weeks after you played a round, hey, you need to change your grip and your alignment. If you did this, that'd be great. You're like, dude, why didn't you tell me when I was doing it? Well, that's what we do and others don't is we give that in the moment coaching so that they can get the learning that they need in the moment. And what happens is retention jumps to all-time highs. Retention jumps to over 75% when they get that practice and they get that coaching. And so that's a huge difference as well. And then finally, our ability to scale and support globally across a variety of languages, 15 to be exact at the current moment. And by the end of the year, we'll be able to support over 50 is a huge differentiator between us and the rest as well. That sounds great. And I mean, you've mentioned there as well, you've got a few banking customers. You mentioned Bank of America, obviously, as well as you've been going through. Can you share any trends then and statistics or the benefits that they're seeing the platform and the impact that's having on their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. There are large improvements in standard KPIs across the board. So when you think of a new hire coming on board, the number one objective is to get them to a level of proficiency where they can service your customers effectively, right? Not just get on the phone and say whatever they want to say or mess up here and there or all the time, but effectively. So that when your customers call in, you have confidence they're going to be served and they're going to have a great experience and they want to come back. So speed of proficiency is the first metric of critical impact. And we have significant numbers here. On average, we see 50% plus improvements in speed of proficiency. And that is conservative at some companies. But at minimum, you're seeing 20 to 30 to 40% lift in proficiency, which means you're hitting quality standards and talk time standards. So how long are we on the phone and are we hitting the bank quality standards? Yes or no? If yes, you're proficient. So we're shortening that time by over 50%. And that is a significant benefit to any institution, but specifically to banks. And also compliance standards are included in that. So banking compliance standards, authentication, 
making sure that you're talking to the right person, making sure that you say the right disclosure, you say the right verbatim, you do the steps in sequence that are required by law. That's kind of a big deal. So we are able to help people become more proficient in that as well. And there are more customer satisfaction, but a big one is attrition rate as well. Because agents are more proficient, they're more confident, they're doing better in their jobs, they tend to stay longer because people that do better in their roles tend to stay there longer. So that is a lagging indicator of all of these other benefits they're getting from simulation training in Zenerate in our solution. And the final thing I'll say is you can actually consolidate training time. So instead of it taking, let's say, six weeks to get people to the production floor, maybe it takes five or four. And that savings is significant. That pays for the tool and then some every single time. But that's not even including all those other KPIs I mentioned, which are the performance KPIs that matter a great deal. So that's a good kind of overview. There are more ways that it benefits, but I think those are some of the most common and probably some of the most desired by banking leadership. Sounds really good. And what's next in the short term for Zenerate then? Is there anything else in the pipeline that you can tell us about right now? Yeah, good question. Good question. What am I going to reveal on the podcast today? What I can tell you is we're continuously enhancing our platform based on customer feedback. Where we get the next step from in our product roadmap is customers. This is what we'd like to see. Awesome. We work on that. We roll it out. We introduce that. So some of the more recent enhancements, I can tell you, is the insights that we are able to provide customers. It used to be a little bit more manual. We used to have to do it a little bit more on our side. We would provide a report for them, but we would have to do a lot of the legwork and pull the data. We could send them raw data, et cetera. But now they have really beautiful, effective, self-serve dashboards. They can go into the system, find out performance of any individual learner and any in the geo. So country, you know, like I mentioned before, site, all of that cohort at in seconds. They can filter, they can do drop downs, they can do all of those things and get that information literally as soon as a learner logs a practice. It's that fast. So that's one of the enhancements that we just rolled out. Also, our solution analyzes live calls. So that's something that, that a lot of people out in the marketplace don't necessarily know is we can also analyze our current customers' live calls. So after training, they're actually talking to customers. Now we can analyze those according to the same performance standards we were training your people on. So it's a continuation of learning. Then we provide insights from those recorded call analysis. And then also targeted performance you know, roadmap. Hey, here's what you need to do to get better based off of your performance, not only in training, but now after talking to live customers. Because as I said before, the learning journey never stops. Banks are constantly rolling out new things, new products, new credit cards, new policies, new ways of doing business. They're also dictated by regulation, by governments, by law, and they have to change in an instance sometimes. We could do that yesterday. Now we can't. So we need to implement strict adherence standards, and you can do that using Zenerate's AI coach simulation technology, but also our call analyzer technology for listening and reviewing live calls.
Thank you so much again for joining me, Casey, and for telling us a bit more about what you're up to over at Xenerate. To close out the podcast, we have on our infamous fintech jail. So this is where we ask for an industry term, buzzword, or trend that you've seen or heard enough of. We then decide whether it deserves a place in the jail, or if it's already in there, whether it needs an extended sentence, or of course, you can argue to free one of the previously incarcerated terms as well. So Casey, what's your selection for this week? This is kind of a tough one, but I think I took machine learning as the term. I think it's overused just in general across the marketplace. It's not about the machine. It's about how the machine benefits the human. And so that's the focus. And I'm sure you got that from our talk today, but that's the focus is how can we leverage technology innovation to make human beings better? Yes, we use machine learning. It's part of the AI models and algorithms, et cetera. But the reality is the focus needs to be on the human being and how can we better leverage technology to help human beings perform better in their jobs and hopefully lead to not only a better customer experience for your financial institution or bank, but also a better life for that individual who is doing everything they can to deliver performance you know, in their particular job. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things I did want, I mean, you've mentioned briefly at the start as well, saying that people are, really want that human element in the call agent experience. Given the, the rate of change that we have in our kind of tech in general at the moment, but also AI, do you ever see a point in the future where AI gets so advanced that it could actually start replacing call centers or given the kind of like complex issues that banks and other financial services have to deal with, do you think there will always be that need for that that human element there? And like I said, do you think people will always want to have that human element there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I think when you look at the landscape, there was a push for this, Paul, when technology was introduced over 10 years ago. And they're like, hey, I think we can replace these jobs. They're really expensive. We have so many call center agents, et cetera. What we're finding out, though, is that the technology isn't quite there yet. It's not as good as human beings, period. And that's a problem. That's a barrier that has to be overcome. I don't know if we'll ever get there, but what I can tell you statistically, I'm going to go back to that stat I threw out earlier. 67% of customers today prefer a live agent. Back in 2018, it was 60%. It actually dropped to 50%. And then in 2021, it jumped to 64% and 22.67. Why would it go backwards, right? We're supposed to be going the other direction. And it's because of what I explained earlier that the technology that they're throwing out there to force customers to self-serve is not working. It's not friendly. It's not a great experience. They get really frustrated with those bots. Because like I mentioned, most people can self-serve today. Most, not all. And so, I mean, my, like I said, my 13-year-old son can do more with self-serving technology than I can. And I feel like I'm pretty tech savvy. But he's like, dad, you don't know how to do that? Oh, come on, you know? And so there's that aspect. But when people call us, because there's a complex yeah. issue and human beings are the ones that are going to be helping with those complex issues. The AI bots are not there yet. And I don't know if we'll ever get there, to be honest with you, Paul. I think humans are always going to need human contact and human service. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. But could it continue to pull some of the low-hanging fruit off the tree? Sure. I think it can. And it's good for business when it's a good experience for the customer. That's the caveat. So I can go in through technology, like I said, and check my bank balance today. I don't know why anybody needs to call to check their bank balance. 
you have an online app and website. You can do that yourself at any given time. Now you might get logged, you know, you might get booted. You can't log in, but most companies also have, it takes less than 30 seconds to reset your own password. So most companies have mastered that today. That was something that reduced a lot of calls. I'll tell you what, and that was a very good move, but it's a good experience. It only takes me 30 seconds. I can go develop a new password. I get a secret code. It's not a big deal. Some people aren't quite that tech savvy even, and that's okay. But ultimately, there's still going to be a need for humans. However, there is opportunity to make the self-serve experience better. Excellent. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting stat. That's why you said about uh, people instantly starting to use the chatbots and think that they're quite good. And then the novelty starts wearing off and they start turning back to, towards the human agents again because it's that's right. they want to actually get their problems solved, right? So, and do you know what happened, some... Paul? Not even kidding. Leaders in contact centers, they were not hiring humans mm. for a while because they're like, oh, the bot's taking over. And they forecasted all this call reduction. And then they started getting spikes in call volume because the bots failed. And that was a huge gap that I don't think leadership really understood given where the technology was at the time. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. Trust me, I'm a big technology fan. I love my innovation. I love the things that make my life better through technology. But also, man, when I need my bank to help me, I'm talking to a human 90% of the time. Yeah, for sure. I think it's safe to, to throw machine learning into the jail then at the moment. Usually what I ask once we cast the terms into the jail is there anything you'd like to replace it with? But I mean, I think this might be more just a, it's an overused term. We just want to see it used more for its the specifics that it's used for, I guess, right? Yeah, I think that's it. What I would say is AI for bettering human performance is what I would like to see is more common terminology of, hey, how can we make the human experience with AI better across the board? Because there's this angst, there's this anxiety, it's going to take our jobs. Again, I mentioned that earlier, but it's true. People get a bit crazy when new technology comes out and they feel threatened, they feel threatened by it. And we need to calm the threat and be able to sell how this is going to help us and how this is going to benefit. And ultimately, when people started using text messaging, I'll give you that example. At first, they were like, why would I ever do that? And now everybody uses text and most prefer it over voice. So just one example of it takes time for adoption of new technology. But also we need people to be educated on what it's being used for and how it's being used and how it can benefit them. And I think that's part of what's missing. Some people like Elon Musk are, are really, really, really trying to help educate people, but not everybody's on Twitter every day. Not everybody, or X, whatever they're calling it now, not everybody reads the Wall Street Journal. Not everybody is in tune per se with what's happening each and every day. So uh, I think it's a long journey, but worth taking. Well, that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks, of course, to Casey for joining me. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com on X, the app formerly known as Twitter at Fintech Futures, and of course on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service to get notified about future episodes. Thanks as well to Arama for editing this podcast. You can check them out at arama.tv. As always, thank you so much for your support. We'll see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.